Welcome to the Wellness and Wanderlust podcast. We're here to demystify wellness and help you add a little adventure to your life. Tune in for a new episode every week where we'll hear from incredible guests and talk about ways to be happier and healthier in our new normal. I'm your host, Valerie Moses. Let's get started. Hello, friends. We're back with another episode of Wellness and Wanderlust. And surprise, we actually have two that have come out in one week. I've been a little bit behind lately, just catching up with the hurricane. And I wanted to send love to all of my listeners who are tuning in, especially from Florida. I hope you're all safe and that you're doing okay post-Hurricane Ian. It's hard to believe all of the devastation that's been caused by the storm. And I know it has been a difficult time for so many. So sending all of my love to everyone out there. I'm grateful to each and every one of you for tuning in this week and for sharing your time and energy with us. Episode 105 touches on finances in a way that we really haven't talked about before with our guest, Hannah Beer, the founder and CEO of Money Bliss. Hannah works with ambitious women all over the world to recreate their relationship with money in a life-affirming, positive, and loving way. As the granddaughter of refugees, she shares her own money story and how she has worked to create abundance in her life. In our conversation, Hannah and I talk about ways to improve our relationship with money and how to remove money blocks from our own energy. She shares tips for deepening your connection with source, what her manifestation process looks like, journaling practice to uncover what's blocking you from reaching your goals, and much more. Our sponsor for today's episode has a product I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because my doctor recommended I start incorporating greens into my morning routine, and I wanted to cut back on some of the many vitamins I take with breakfast. I work in community engagement and PR, so I'm on the go quite a bit and time is a luxury. With one scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. I take AG1 every morning before breakfast, and it's great for digestion and gut health, energy, and immune health. AG1 is lifestyle-friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, and contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, and no nasty chemicals. AG1 has high-quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb, and it's a great way to take care of yourself with a busy lifestyle. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash wanderlust. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash wanderlust to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, friends, now on to today's show. Hi, Hannah. Thank you so much for joining us at Wellness and Wanderlust. I'm so excited to be here, Valerie. Well, this is going to be so much fun. I can't wait to chat with you about all things Money Bliss. Before we do that, why don't you first tell our listeners just a little bit about you? Yeah, so I love helping people discover how lovely it can feel to have your money figured out, to always have plenty of money, to always know that more is coming, that you can create money really blissfully, to be in a really, 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 really good flow with it. And one of the things that's different about me is that I'm clairvoyant, which means that I I see energy, I see different colors around people, I see their energy blocks, money blocks in their body. And it gives me, it's like every person has their map that tells me what their current situation is, where they're blocked, why they're struggling to be where they want to be. And it also shows me the path to get them there. So my work is very, very, very playful. It's very healing. It's very comforting. 
And of course, we create like lots and lots of money in the process. It's really fun to have a lot of money. But yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. And I think it's so cool that you're able to use that clairvoyance to, to help people because I think the farther I go along in my own wellness journey, I'm finding that so much of what we're trying to do in terms of reaching our goals, a lot of the blocks that we have really do stem from, I think, that spiritual piece, that that extra something. That It's not just the practical steps that we're taking, but there's a little bit more there with the stories we've told ourselves, the childhood we had, all of that. So I'd love to know for you, what did your money story look like and how did you get into this type of work? For me, it really started with my grandparents on my mom's side who were both refugees during World War II when they were just children. My grandparents were really poor, lost everything on the way. And that is the feeling that was ingrained into my body as it's been being passed down through our family. So growing up, I always felt like everything could crumble in a moment. Um, Like money was this really scary thing. Money was something I really needed, but that just wouldn't stick around no matter what I did. And I always felt really scared and and doubtful as to whether I would be able to provide for myself. So a lot of my wounding around money was, will I be able to be okay? Will I be able to manage this? Will I be able to navigate life with this? And what if something happens and, and like the rug will be pulled out from underneath me? And so I'm the daughter of an American dad, a German mom. I ended up going to school in Germany. And on the outside, it may have seemed as though these fears were really unrealistic, but it it was like there was just this grip on me of fear, absolutely being terrified around money. And so as I grew up and as I used my clairvoyance to kind of discover more about what was going on with the world, I started to notice that many more of us have really difficult feelings around money. Many of them come from our own life experiences. Many of them come from our family history, like in my case. And all the stuff that we have around money can be a really, really heavy burden. Yeah, it's a difficult topic, I think, for so many to talk about. And I think we're getting into a stage where finally people are starting to be a little bit more open and starting to share what those stories have looked like, maybe even salary information when they're looking to negotiate, people are willing to share with each other a little bit more. But there really is, you're right, so much stuff like when it comes to money. And I always thought I had a pretty decent relationship with money. But even then, I think back to certain things that were said in my family, even when we weren't really struggling. But at the same time, the world was going through a massive recession. I think for so many millennials and Gen Z, having seen the world in such disarray, uh, well, I guess like, you know, everybody has seen the world in disarray. Something big happens in every generation, but I feel like for ours, maybe it's been several once in a lifetime things and the feelings around money and what we've seen from our parents. And I think that feeling of lack, because you're so right too, with helping people to create lots of money. I don't think the abundance piece is something that we really talk about growing up. Yeah, same for me. My family on my dad's side or have historically been really poor. I already talked about my mom's side also really, really, really poor. And so that was a question I had in my mind for myself from early on was, how come some people don't struggle with money? How come some people thrive in any economic environment? How come some people really trust their own ability and capability when it comes to 
money and I just became really curious. And I also, in my early 20s, I started a life coaching practice and I was just, it was fascinating for me to get to read all of these different people. And I work with like thousands upon thousands of people from all across the planet. And I just, it really gave me this idea of just how many different blocks around money there are. Some of my clients come from wealth and there is a sense of shame around how the family wealth was created. So that often influences a belief that I don't get to be successful. I don't get to work. I don't get to do all of these things because we have family wealth. So I feel really ashamed. Like I don't deserve to have work that feels meaningful and that pays me. You know, that's an example. That's a block that I didn't have, but that's still a very meaningful block. And I started to realize that it's not so much about how much money you have. Some of my millionaire clients have certain blocks and some of my Clients who earn $2,000 a month have certain blocks. Like we have so many different blocks that all of us are working with. And at the core of it, I've discovered it's really about allowing love to show up in our lives. So money to me is an an expression of love. And I'd be happy to explain this a little further because often people are like, what? (laughs) When I first say that. Yeah. Could you kind of share a little bit more about what that means? Absolutely. So you may already notice that family matters in my line of work. I talk about family so much because I believe that we just, it it can't help a person heal their relationship with money without also taking their family of origin into account. They are so incredibly important. Without our family, we wouldn't be here. They're the people who gave us the greatest gift anybody could have given us, which is the gift of life. Our family matters, matters, matters. And understand that in many of the modern societies that we live in, you know, I'm in Europe, you're in the United States, you know, we often like to believe that we're so autonomous and we can do our own thing and we can go off into the world and create whatever. To some extent, that's true. But our main need as a human being is to belong to our family. And in many of our cultures, we minimize the importance of our family. And so... When, when we were little, our parents were, or ideally would have been, our main source of everything that we needed. They would have given us nourishment and shelter, and they would have played with us and helped us sleep and be comfy and to feel loved. And so now that we're grown up, we use money to meet our needs by building a really beautiful home, creating a home for ourselves, by choosing work that feels nourishing and lovely, by buying really good food, by buying clothes that fit us and that keep us warm. And so our ability to receive love, we learn that as children in our relationship with our parents. And our ability to receive love now really influences our money when we're older, because now money is this expression of love. Like, are we allowing ourselves to receive money in a way that feels really blissful and that like fits who we are, fits how we're wired, where we get to do work that feels really energizing and that also pays us well and that also creates meaning on this planet. Do we allow ourselves to have a really lovely savings that just opens the possibility for us to make decisions based on what our soul is craving versus decisions based solely on money? Do we allow ourselves to just have more resources than we need do, are we able to feel comfortable with that? Do we have that sense of self-worth that we can allow ourselves to be that comfortable, to be that well taken care of, to be that loved? So the two really go hand in hand in my eyes. 
I can see that too, even just with the way that we spend and save money that we, you know, we might be saving for the emergencies and for the very traditional things on the budget, the line items that you find in the Mint app that are very traditional. They're the things that we all, you know, need to survive. And we often have that guilt when we spend money on something that is truly sometimes just for us or for like maybe for the people around us too, but it's something that's truly just for the joy of having it, for the experience, whatever it is. I enjoyed myself at a, a spa when I was, I was at a conference not too long ago at a Ritz hotel. And I thought since I wasn't spending that money on the room necessarily, and it was covered through work, I would spend some of my own money to do a spa experience that was a little more expensive than what I might typically spend for myself, but it was within my means. And at the same time, when I was explaining it to people, I did feel a little bit silly, kind of, even though I knew that it was something that I was really going to enjoy and it was an experience I wasn't going to forget anytime soon. And sure enough, I had the experience. It was amazing. It was so rejuvenating, so refreshing. I would love to do it again at some point, but I think the guilt sometimes of allowing ourselves once we do have, you know, even if we have the money, even when we are financially stable and paying our bills and working toward whatever debt repayment, whatever that is, when we take that time for ourselves and use that money for ourselves, sometimes we have, I think that guilt and those, those feelings, I think that stem from what we heard growing up. Absolutely. Yeah. We've got all this unexamined money stuff kind of sitting in our energy and the, these like mysterious feelings arise like I'm, I'm choosing to spend money on the spa experience I'm really enjoying it and yet I still feel a sense of guilt as though I'm doing something wrong that's a great example of you know a place within yourself that we might want to examine a little bit and just to see what's going on there because it may block you in other in other ways as well. And all of us have like this invisible laundry list of things that we're allowed to spend money on, that we're not allowed to spend money on. And most of our lists, like we didn't create them ourselves. Most of those lists we inherited from our parents. And it's all this it's like stuff around money that's making it really difficult for us to kind of start from a clean slate. So imagine if you're listening to this and you're in your 20s or 30s or 40s or 50s, like that, those are several decades, many, many decades in many cases that you've just accumulated stuff around money. And with my clairvoyance, I'm seeing that that really sits in the tissues of your body. Like your body just keeps being cluttered up with all this stuff. And I like to compare it to driving a car with the windshield caked in mud. You're just not able to see where you're going to go. It can feel really scary. Like it's really, you're just not able to see clearly. And so once we wipe the windshield clean, we really get rid of all this internal conditioning around money. You're able to see more clearly, oh, so this is the life that I wish to lead. This is the money flow that feels really lovely for me. This is the savings that feels like so energizing and, and easy and gives me all these options. And this is how I would like to earn my money in a way that feels energizing and right for me. And so we can begin to see what your perfect money reality would be. And we can then also see the fastest, most direct path to implement that so you can begin to live it. But the first step really is to take inventory of all of your stuff around money so we can get rid of that. 
And I think what you talked about with how we inherit this from our parents or from our families, I mean, that's a generational trauma in itself. I think about having, you know, my grandfather grew up in the Great Depression and was someone who, I mean, they basically would have received charity, basically. And he always had a lot of pride around you know, not taking that. And he ultimately did very well financially and had his businesses and really brought himself out of that. But I think seeing those feelings around money, seeing different family members going through different things, and then what they've inherited, because we had some who immigrated to this country as well, and how their their money situation was very different when they were in Europe versus once they came to this country in the 1930s, 1940s. And so I definitely can see how that shapes the next generation, which in turn shapes the next generation. So it all kind of ties back into itself. It really does. Yeah, we really we like to pretend we're just ourselves, but our family matters hugely. Absolutely. So when you're working with clients and you're seeing these blocks, because again, I do think that the blocks are kind of what keep us from from reaching some of the goals we want. It's not just that we're not taking certain actions, but that we have certain feelings around it, certain stories we're telling ourselves that are maybe subconsciously or unconsciously keeping us from from reaching those goals. When you're working with them, and I know this could probably differ by the type of block, but you're so you're taking inventory of what their stories are around money. First of all, for those of us who haven't really thought about that before, how do you how do you do that? How do you start to uncover and unravel that a little bit? And then what are some other steps that you take from there to start removing those blocks? I see blocks. So I, I just look at a person and I kind of see what's going on. I, I see like dark spheres, for example, in some of my clients, there's like a lot of stuff in their belly or around their shoulders or around their arms. And then often my clients will tell me that they've got some arthritis there or some like tension in their arms or their posture is like I had one client who was like walking really wonky and so there was a lot of energetic clutter in like the left side of their body and so I like to just kind of read it all and then I like to pull it out of the body so this is where my clairvoyance is really helpful because I can see which blocks want to be cleared and and we I really just pull them out of the body and then um, my client feels it, they'll say, oh, I feel like lighter, there's like a tingling here, my posture just changed, or you know, my, my doctor said that some health markers are looking much better. And so it's really, it's, it's like it's a cleansing of the energy field. And I like to teach my clients how to do that themselves so they can begin to read themselves and so they can begin to clear it all out. This is like cleaning the windshield is really the very the very first step. For some for someone who's listening who's kind of new to this, you can just kind of tune into your body and see where in your where in my body can I detect some heaviness or some density or some tension. And then you can just tune into this energy and, and see if it can give you a little more information. So when I read a person's energy, I can just keep going and going and asking and asking. So for example, if I tune into someone's block in their belly, I might discover, oh, you know, that started to happen when you were around the age of seven. It's connected to your dad because this experience happened and you felt like that as a result. And so it's been influencing you in this way because you developed a trauma adaptation to never ask for anything. So now you're in this default setting of I won't get what I want. So I'm not even going to ask. So why even take steps? Because I'm so unworthy. Like that's, that's just one example from one of my clients. And so we can ask some questions and bring some awareness to it. 
and then we, we remove it, we remove the density around it so this place can begin to flow again. So we can begin to create some space there so blood and life force energy can flow back in. So this part of you can heal. Every block also has a flowing state. So in this example I just provided, the block was to be in a default state of, I will never get what I want, so why even ask? And the flowing state, you know, would be curiosity and being really excited to see what money-making opportunities are all around and to act on them all and to be a really great receiver. So once we clear the block from the body, it instantly heals. And so the flowing state then starts to happen. So at the end of a session, a client might you know, naturally find themselves apply to certain jobs, or they might naturally find themselves reaching out to people who are interested in working with them in their business, or they might become really amazing at receiving just random money that life sends them. So the results start to happen instantaneously, and the healing happens both on the inside and on the outside as we clear the blocks. I think that's really cool. Are you doing Reiki with them or what exactly, what type of energy work do you do to to kind of remove those blocks? It's just my own thing. I've heard of Reiki. I actually don't know much about Reiki. Sometimes people ask about, I should probably look into Reiki so I can answer this question better. I don't think it's Reiki since I don't know really what that is. It's just working in the electromagnetic field of a person. I've kind of developed my own little way of just clearing the energy out and then I just keep seeing if it's working, see if the healing is happening, my client is feeling it, but I think, yeah, it's just something that I've that I've developed and all of my clients learn, learn to do that. I remember when I first heard the word like psychic or gifted, I remember thinking, well, that's not me because <laughs> I'm just a normal person. Like what I'm seeing isn't magical. I'm just seeing electromagnetic fields. And growing up, I was really into science, so physics, chemistry, and I learned about electromagnetic fields. So I was like, well, I'm just seeing that. I'm just very sensitive. Like those things are obviously there because science teaches us about them. I, I'm just able to, to perceive them with my senses really easily. So it's, not, it's nothing special. And this is also what I discovered with my clients um, no matter what they claim in the beginning. In the beginning, everybody says, well, I will never be able to, and I'm not psychic, and I'm not this and that. But I always like to just tell them, like, just keep an open mind. And after a while, after at least a couple of weeks, like everyone's able to read themselves and everyone's able to follow along with what I'm doing and to, to notice the energy leaving. And they're able to, to see the transformation and the healing taking place. And from there, it's really easy to to teach a person how to begin doing that for themselves. It's obviously easier if somebody else does it. Just like, you know, we go to the salon to get our hair cut. Like if I try to cut my own hair, it's going to look hella wonky. Like I can do it myself, <laughs> but I probably shouldn't. So I like to go to an actual salon to get it done. Like that's kind of the same thing. Like you can do your everyday maintenance, you know, on your own. Um, but then it obviously makes sense to have somebody like look at you and clear you out like that. But I'm just telling the story for anyone who's listening who's like, this sounds magical. It really feels magical, but anyone is absolutely capable of doing this. It's just a matter of, of kind of fine tuning your senses, you know, of like really teaching you how to look, how to perceive, how to read subtle energy. You have everything you need to in order to be able to do that. We just need to practice a little bit and then you can absolutely do what I'm doing. It's not a special gift. 
um, is, is what I discovered, even though, you know, many psychics like to kind of sell it that way because <laughs> it makes it look more mystical. But I'm here to just like, kind of like burst that bubble. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think there is a magic in it, but in a very practical way, because I didn't believe necessarily in any of that. And then as I've gotten older, I've realized that I have some clairsentience or claircognizance rather, I, I have a little bit of claircognizance. And I've definitely noticed that my sister growing up, we all knew that she had some of that as well, because she always knew when somebody died before they did, it was she'd wake up in the middle of the night, she had her psychic sense of whatever had happened. So we definitely saw it growing up. And I thought it was only with certain people. But I've noticed over time, as I've gotten older, I, I certainly have a sense of knowing sometimes. And that we just kind of have to tune into that. Because I think that's another thing is that when we're kids, we're sometimes, so, some of us are lucky and our families will encourage us or they're supportive of it. But a lot of people, they're they're told to kind of shut it down a little bit or we're told that we're being too sensitive, even though that sensitivity is actually a strength in a lot of cases. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so lucky that I didn't have that. I just always thought that other people were so preoccupied that they weren't paying attention because it looks so real to me. What I'm seeing and what I'm sensing, what I'm perceiving, that I never, I never doubted it. It's like if somebody comes into my office and says, you know, like that desk isn't there. I, I wouldn't doubt myself. I'd just be like, are they blind? Are they, do they need glasses? Because there's clearly a desk here. Or are they messing with me? So I was just like blissfully unaware of, of all of that. I just really, just, it looked really real to me. And I think, it, I love that you use the word practical. Because that's the thing that, it really helps me so much in my work. I remember when I first started my business and I didn't use my, my abilities back then. And it was always kind of like throwing spaghetti at a wall. But now it's really nice to be able to see, you know, this is the current situation. This is where we want you to be. This is the path that's going to get us there. Let's get to work. It makes it very predictable. And I like that. It's nice to be able to say, you know, you're definitely going to be there. And this is how we're going to do it. Now, as you're working with a client and you're, so you're helping them to kind of start clearing these blocks and understanding what maybe caused those blocks in the first place, starting to really dive into their story a little bit more. And now you're looking to help them and whatever it is that their goal may be, maybe somebody is looking to get out of debt. Maybe they're looking to create more abundance in some area of maybe their business or looking to just grow in whatever way. What are some steps you take from there? And what are some of the things that we can do to create more abundance? Because I also think that a lot of times in the personal finance space, we're really seeing a lot of focus on cutting out the latte, cutting out the avocado toast, where we can cut. And, and I do think sometimes it's important that, hey, you might be spending on something that you're not even using. And so do you really need this? Or could that money be better used elsewhere? But I don't think we often think about what do I want to bring in more of into my life. So how do you how do you do that with your clients? Yeah, I love that you're bringing this up. So the other thing that I'm really passionate about sharing is that everyone has their own perfect flow with money. When I first started my business, the goal on the internet at that time was to earn six figures a year. And I remember a couple years later, it was multiple six figures and then it was 500K and there was seven figures and then that wasn't enough. And it was eight figures. And at some point I thought, so do we need to all be billionaires next? Like, 
where are we going? Like we're moving into superlatives. Like this is, it's crazy. And I remember many of my business owner friends, especially always feeling like, okay, I'm behind, I'm behind, I'm behind because somebody keeps like moving the bar of where you need to be in order to be good enough, in order to have made it, in order to be, you know, among like the cool kids on the internet in order to, you know, whatever it is. And I discovered that every person, like their energy field also already holds something that I call soul money numbers, like a perfect income flow that feels really nice, a perfect savings, a perfect net worth. These numbers change over the course of their lives, like bit by bit, but they don't change that often. So somebody may have, you know, one of my, a couple years ago, my income number was $6,200 a month. And, you know, I was in my early, early 20s. So that felt like a lot of money for me. That felt really lovely, really good. And I was also kind of reading in my energy field that 17K in savings would feel really, really nice. And lo and behold, manifesting those numbers was actually really easy. It was easier for me to create 6,200 and like 200, like on the dot, 200 per month through my business was easier for me than creating 3,000 or even like 10,000. Like that was just my sweet spot. That was my number. That was what felt really good. That was what allowed my, my life to flow. I was just able to meet all of my needs. I was able to travel and play and have fun and just work with the right clients for me. It was just the flow that I needed to be in at this time. And so I feel like in our minds, we can often say, but I need to be there. I need to be here. But what I'm really interested in is like discovering what is your perfect flow with money? What is your perfect number? What is your thing? What is your perfect money-making vehicle? Is it a business? Is it a career? What is it going to be? And many of my clients, you know, there's what's also wired into you is like a special like gift that you may have. I have one client who's just amazing at manifesting random money out of the blue. Like if she were to quit her business today, she would still have a really amazing income, seemingly doing nothing and just being lucky. Um, some of my clients are just amazing working a full-time job and having a little side um, business. And that's just something that really fills them up and makes them feel energized. So I feel like what, what often rubs me the wrong way are generalized pieces of advice. I understand that they're meant to be simple so they can be applied and like kept in mind easily, but I just feel like each person is so different. Each person's soul journey is so different. Each person's kind of flow in life is so different. And so the, the real thing that we're trying to make happen here is how to it's like, it's like resource you. We want all of your needs to be met, all of your desires to be fulfilled. We want you to have plenty of option, plenty of space to be, be you. We want you to get paid to be you. We want you to feel energized through the work that you do. We want you to feel like you can make choices based on what's right for you, not based on money. And so this is what I'm more interested in implementing than to tell everyone, you know, no more lattes or no more this, no more that. I just, this is why I like to call my work money bliss because it's about being in a really blissful space with your money. And I don't know about you, Valerie, but if somebody tells me, you know, you can never again go get like a drink when you're out, like that just feels very confining and restricting mm -hmm. and not blissful at all. And so no. it's this balance of 
allowing myself to create the abundance that really feels lovely. But part of that abundance is allowing yourself to enjoy it, you know, to go to the spa when that feels lovely and to trust that more money will come and to trust that you're an amazing manifester, that you can always create more money and that life is like this little magic carpet that moves under you and supports you and takes you to, you know, kind of guides you along your soul's journey into a really beautiful life. And I'm glad you mentioned the manifestation piece to it because we've, we've talked a little bit about manifestation on the show and because you were able to meet the goals of what was going to flow for you. What does your manifestation process look like? To me, manifestation is about being a really great receiver. It's about having a wide open capacity in your body to allow yourself to create what it is that you want. It's a mushiness. It's a softness. So many of us or at least myself, like I have a history of being like quite walled off and having lots of armor and priding myself on being like strong and perfect and dependable and and all of that. And so as I was clearing my own blocks, I just noticed a real softness showing up in my body. I noticed myself being quite slow. Like I'm, I'm, I'm quite a slow person. And I always thought I needed to be like fast and take lots of action, implement. And of course I take action and I do it at my own pace, which feels like slow and nourishing and always guided by my soul and one step here and one step there and like meaningful interactions. And that that's what builds and creates my business. But when I think about manifestation, I think it's an openness. It's a, it's a receiving capacity that many of us don't have. And this is where we get back to the relationship between us and our parents when we were little, you know. Did you feel like you could be wide open and just kind of soak up all the love and that there was an overabundance of it? I have a little daughter who's going to be too soon. And it's so much fun to love her because she's so open. She's like, yes, love me, kiss me, hug me, snuggle me, play with me, give me everything, ice cream every day, of course. Like, play with me all the time. Like, let me sleep in your arms. It's like giggle and play and roll around. And, you know, like, look at puppies. And, like, she's just, like, so able to receive, like, pleasure and love and all of that. And it's so nice that I don't have to hold back because her receiving capacity is gigantic. Like there's no limits to how much of my love she's willing to to receive. And I can just kind of like, like I'm a little, what are those called? Like the Care Bears with the little yeah. rainbows coming out of their belly buttons. I'm just like boom, blasting love at her all day long. It feels so, so good. But in many of our relationships with our parents, it simply wasn't like that. So we didn't develop that wide open or more, like what's more accurate to say is probably that that wide open capacity for love, we kind of shut it down over time. And so now that we're adults, we do all of these manifesting practices and we like write our gratitude list and we do the affirmations and we read all the books and we know we're supposed to be in an abundant mindset and all of that. But we don't have the re- receiving capacity in our body to allow life to love us at such a deep level to allow ourselves to use money to love ourselves that much. Does that make sense? Yeah. Do you have any tips then for, because I've I've heard about that before with manifestation that I think a lot of times when we're we're manifesting, we're really coming from the feminine, that receiving 
and holding that space rather than the, you know, of course we, there are sometimes practical steps we need to take, of course, but to hit whatever goal or to do whatever it is, but that the manifestation, I think oftentimes truly comes from that feminine energy. But I'd love to know for, for those of us who do have, you know, maybe we haven't had that receiving capacity in the past. Like what, what are some things that, that you recommend to clients to, to start to develop that? Yeah. One of my favorite exercises is to look at your savings and you can think of savings as just like love sitting there. It's just excess love. People who don't have any savings or whose savings are, you know, if they have like a negative, negative net worth or the savings keeps going down, or if there's continuously situations showing up in their lives that drains the savings, that usually shows me that they don't have a big capacity to just have lots and lots and lots of love, like an excess of love. So to expand your capacity of that, you can just look at your savings and start to set a goal. You can say, I'm going to add $100 to my savings each month. And every time you do, just allow the money in, allow it to sit and then acclimate. And I like to have people, I like people to start off with like very, like ridiculously small sums. Even if you think you can do 500 instead or 200 or even thousands of dollars, I urge you to, to kind of to go really small. So expand your savings, let it sit, just acclimate. Let that just that kind of become really, really comfortable with it become comfortable with being loved that much, with having that much choice, that much comfort, that much money, just sitting there. It's not for a rainy day. It's not for an emergency. It's not to do anything with it. It's just like money sitting there because it's fun and it feels good. It's just loveliness for you. And then expand it again a little bit more and then acclimate, expand, acclimate, expand, acclimate. And as you're doing this, you're already noticing it's the outer So we expand the outer and then we expand the inner, we expand the outer, we expand the inner. And once you're mastering this process, you can then go a little faster because your body will know how to acclimate to a new well set point. And so that new well set point, you will be able to maintain because you've acclimated to it on the inside. And so what that, this is what's lovely. So this is how we can take someone from, let's say 10,000 in savings to six figures or you know, even like way beyond that in savings and for them to actually let that money stay. Yeah, I think we put so much pressure on it that maybe we don't even start a lot of the time or we think, well, if I put away only this much, it's not going to do anything. So we just don't do anything at all. And any little bit that we're saving is going to grow and is going to make a difference. And so if we can get in that habit and I love that term, that wealth set point, because that's that really is what it is. And and you are expanding, you are seeing like where your mindset around money changes as those savings grow, as as your habits change a little bit. What do you do when you have a client that comes in who is just overwhelmed with the amount of debt they have, where abundance isn't even something that they're maybe they should be, but they're not really even thinking of. They're just so overwhelmed with like what they need to pay back. Do you have any exercises or anything that you like to do with them to help them start to move in the positive direction? Yeah. The first thing we need to do is we need to remove all that shame. And usually there is a lot of beating ourselves up and a lot of fear around the future and a lot of who am I? What does this debt say about me? So a lot of that, yeah, it's the shame that we need to 
that we need to clear out. Of course, we're going to make a plan for paying it back, but we really need to remove, remove the shame first. It's so, so, so important. And here's, okay, there's something coming through. I'm just going to share it. And I hope it's going to resonate with the listeners. We need to prioritize our vertical connection up to source. Like we need to connect up to source. For a client like this, of course, we're going to clear the shame. And of course, we're going to begin taking steps to, you know, reorganize the finances. But the overarching thing that needs to be done is to connect them up to source, connect them up to spirit, and just bring them back to their divine connection. Because when that connection is broken, life goes haywire. We might do everything in our power. We might do everything right. We might read all the books. We might frantically scramble to fix whatever situation we're in. Um, but it's likely not going to be as fruitful as it would be if we were connected to source. So sometimes the wisest thing is to just give ourselves grace for the situation that we're in, to let go of the fear, let go of the shame, and just connect up to source and allow that to support us. I think there is so much truth in that. And it really is so important to have to have that connection and to be able to listen to our intuition. Because again, that's something that we... I think we've squashed down a lot over time if we weren't encouraged when we were younger. What are some ways that we can, um, for those who really just don't have that connection, that we can tap into that intuition, that we can connect to source and kind of develop that, almost develop that muscle in a, in a sense? Yeah, you can even just now like take your attention up and just connect up to source. And all of you just did it. So I have all the listeners in a little energy bubble. I can see some of you are driving, some of you are cleaning, some of you are sitting on the sofa, petting your dog. Some of you are on a walk listening to this. Some of you have just kind of stopped and you're like looking around like, what's she talking about? <laughs> so I can, I can see all of you and you all just did it. You know, it's just like if I'm asking you to picture a lemon and then bite into the lemon, right? Like you're, you're now tasting the the tartness of, of the lemon. In the same way, I just asked you guys to connect up to source and all of you did it. All of you just did it again, just as I said it. And so now I'm going to ask you to allow this gorgeous, divine, supportive light that's all the way up there and you know where it is because your body just wants to breathe a sigh of relief. There's a ripple of relaxation moving through your body once you connect up and you know exactly how high it is. Yeah, you guys can all go a little higher to really connect up there. Yeah, and all of you know that this is how life is supposed to feel. It's supposed to feel this loving and comforting and good and just free and peaceful. And so allow the side to flow down all the way through your body, down into the earth, move back up, fill you in, and you can allow the side to radiate all around. So the connection um, to source is what we want to prioritize. And so we want you to make the decision that before you worry about the horizontal problems, like the problems of your physical world right now, that before you worry about those, you connect up to spirit and that you begin to allow spirit to support you in everything that you're doing. And this is what's going to give you the power to change your circumstances. I love that. I think that Again, that you know, having that connection is so huge. I think for me, sometimes I'm I'm not as consistent with it as I would like. So this is actually, I think, the conversation that's reminding me that it's something that I would like to be doing more of. But sometimes my meditation practice and just 
tapping into that really allows me to think about what it is that I truly want. Like, what are the signs the universe has been sending me? Things like that. And really getting quiet and getting still is so huge. You're extremely tapped in and you have these gifts. Any daily practices that you have to really hone in on that or to listen and to connect? Yeah, it's fascinating. I used to meditate so much, like eight, nine, 10 hours a day when I was in university, because that was when I first discovered just how wounded I was. And I was really committed to trying anything that I could. So I did like Zen meditation and Kundalini yoga. And I was just like high as a kite on like meditation. Really, my friends were like, did you take drugs? Like your pupils are very dilated. And I was like, no, I've just been meditating for the last 11 hours and also I need to go home because I need to go get up at 4 a.m. to to do my chanting for two hours before sunrise. That was my life for a long, long time. And then I I, I discovered, I I think that really did um, reprogram my brain chemistry for good. I, I did such an intense period of meditating for years and years that now I can just, I it feels like I live in a meditative state pretty constantly, which is something that I didn't know was possible, but it's really nice. So I don't meditate anymore. It's more my life has become a moving meditation. It's really, it's really cool. That's one of the coolest discoveries of my life that sometimes you just have to do something for a while and then you don't have to do it in an ongoing way. So my personal practice is I'm always connected to spirit. And for me now, it's just a decision. When somebody first begins to work with me, I give them guided meditations and we, we do connect them to spirit over and over again. And I teach them how to clear their own energy blocks and how to you know, do the energy work that I'm doing with them on themselves. So that takes some practice, some commitment to figure it out. But once you've got it down, it's as simple as a decision. Um, my more advanced clients, I always hold them accountable to always being connected. And I just don't tolerate them disconnecting themselves. When somebody first starts, like it's normal where you're connected and your energy field is like absolutely pristine and perfectly clear. And you're like doing all of your home play. And then you go on vacation, you forget about it. You disconnect from source. You stop doing your energy, you know, energy hygiene practices. And then, you know, your flight gets canceled. Your suitcase gets lost. You get robbed. Your internet at home breaks down. You know, like all of these, your life starts to glitch and then we kind of plug them back in. And then all of a sudden, like everything flows again and like the clients fall, seemingly fall into their lap and everyone's nice to them. And like their hubby just takes them out on the most amazing dinner and just kind of life bends over backwards to cater to them in a way. And so in the beginning, like I'm going to tolerate, I'm going to be like, okay, so you're just learning, you're just practicing. Let's use this moment, you know, this example of how when you disconnected and when you kind of slipped on your energy hygiene practices, it's cool. Like we're going to use this as a learning opportunity, but with my more advanced clients, I really hold them accountable to always, always, always being connected. And for them, it's really just a decision. It's a matter of I'm always connected and I'm not ever going to disconnect anymore. I don't tolerate my life glitching. I don't tolerate not living my perfect money reality. You know, my advanced clients don't have a perfect life out there. The practice with them that I hold them accountable to is to always live in congruency with the life that they want. So if there's something new coming through, it needs to be implemented right away. So I think it depends on the stage that you're in. For someone who's really just starting, I would say connect to source, connect to source, connect to source. 
And over time, you won't need to do these daily practices as much anymore. You'll just kind of be weaving your reality in the moment. It's almost like a, like it's their first instinct. Yeah. That's very cool. And I love that you hold them accountable too, because you're so right. If we're not living in congruency with the life we want, then how are we going to create the life we want? That's it. Yeah. And, and one thing that feels really painful in our bodies is to be in the this is where I want to be. I'm not there yet. It's the discontentedness. And one of the things that I teach is that it's really important to me that my clients are content and satisfied and always have all of their needs met and that all of their goals always come to fruition, that they can live in a sense of peace of mind of like, my life is always working for me. Everything is always unfolding in the highest order for me. And it's it's that sense of contentedness. And to me, contentedness is also the fertile soil that grows growth. Many of us have been, I definitely have for a long, long time thought that my craving, my wanting, my, my needing, my not having is what drives me to create more. But it actually just had me feeling really inadequate and really fearful and kind of envious of others and just very uncomfortable. And so the more I am integrity with myself and I live the life that I want and I feel content, the more I actually increase my power to manifest even more amazing abundance. So it's the growth and contentment really go hand in hand. And not to get too political, but like capitalism thrives off of us feeling like we're not there or off of her, you know, dissatisfaction. So that's also me kind of being a little bit of an activist where I want more people on this planet to be content, like to have arrived to feel good and to kind of opt out of the endless craving for more that's based on capitalism wanting to sell us stuff. That's true. And I have been a little bit of a TikTok junkie lately where I've been watching all of these, you know, Amazon purchases and things that we need to get. And, you know, I've certainly been guilty of that myself where I've definitely seen like our, like just having a lot of stuff isn't what's going to make us happy. And you talked about how like our soul money numbers, it's different for everybody. And it's so true. I know people who are so fulfilled and all they want is to be able to be out of debt and to be able to have a few different types of experiences comfortably, but they're not looking to be multimillionaires or anything like that. They're not even looking for the six figures. They're just looking for whatever it is that's going to allow them to do the things that they love and what's going to fulfill them. And sometimes actual physical stuff is nice and it is going to make our lives easier or whatever it is. And we we should enjoy it without guilt, but to understand that we don't need to just accumulate stuff and spend money on things for the sake of spending money in order to be fulfilled and in that place. So yeah, it's, it's so, so true. Yeah, it's really about reclaiming your power and, and questioning all of these things. This is what I find so fascinating is that it's, it's so difficult to see our own blocks around money, at least for me. You know, I just like everybody else, like I need somebody to read my energy as well. Because like I said earlier, if I do it myself, I'm going to miss a lot. And so it's all those like unexamined things around money that we hold inside that cause us to act kind of like zombies. So instead of living the lives that we truly want and kind of living in congruency and being really blissfully happy, we just kind of go off like all these different paths that other people want us to go down for their benefit. And so once our energy is really nice and clean, we can stay more congruent with what we truly want. 
Yeah. And as you're kind of figuring out what it is that we truly want and kind of overcoming those blocks, do you do any journaling practices or anything like that to kind of uncover these blocks or to uncover some of the things that we're doing on autopilot? Yeah, absolutely. My clients usually always like have a notebook with them because once you start to think about it, you see it everywhere. Like at least with me, like I always have to write it down where I'm like, ooh, I feel unworthy here. I'm noticing I want to do this, but it's not in alignment with my vision. And you start to like list all of your blocks, you know, and then like we read your energy field in session and we discover more blocks and then you kind of go through life and you discover even more blocks. And like what I love about this game is that finding blocks is a good thing. It doesn't mean that you're bad. It doesn't mean that you're wounded, you know, beyond repair. It doesn't mean that you've been doing anything wrong. It just means like, oh, amazing. Like I'm so excited. I'm finding all of these blocks because once I clear them out, there's going to be a really amazing healing and up-leveling coming on the other side. It's almost like Easter egg hunting. Like the more you find, the better. And that's how, you know, that that's definitely one of the main journaling practices that we do is just keep like hunting for all the different blocks that we have and all the different money lies that we're exposed to. I love that. Cause I think that, you know, you uncover so much and then there's probably a lot of clients who don't realize, wow, this really has been a block for me my entire life. And to have those ways that we can then reflect on, well, this is how it affects me in the way that I spend, in the way that I save, maybe in my romantic relationships, in the way that I show up at work and and just all of that. Because I, I think the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. And that, yeah, kind of taking that time to reflect on it. Because I'm sure you're, for many clients, these are things they've never really thought about before. And so you're getting all this information. And so being able to synthesize it and identify where it's coming up in your life is so powerful just having that information at hand it's really exciting that's amazing well I really love what you do I think you have such a unique perspective and a unique approach when it comes to money and approaching it from that place of abundance I would love to get into a little bit more about what you offer but before we do that I'd like to also ask you some rapid fire questions as well for the listeners to get to know you more amazing wonderful so my first question for you what is your top wellness tip Ah, is to always breathe deeply, even if it's weird, just like breathe deeply and like stick out your tongue and just, yeah, breathing. Yeah, so, so powerful. We just put out an episode about the power of breath work. And I'm amazed when, when we did a little breath work exercise, even just right on the show, I felt like a different person. I just felt so much calmer and just clearer, connected. So great, great tip. Now, where is your favorite travel destination? I would have to say it's Maui. I love Ooh. Maui. It's like, if, if anyone hasn't been, but you've watched Moana, it's like that island in Moana, just in actual reality, and then 10 times more beautiful. I didn't know paradise existed like that. Wow. I, I'm dying to go. That's that's definitely on my list. So, oh, that's that's so beautiful. Now, if you were an animal, what animal would you be and why? Always changing. But right now, I think I'd be a panther. I've just been Ooh. feeling very sexy lately. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. I, I love all of the, like all the large cats. I think that they're, they're just so, so cool. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. That's a fun energy to have. Now, if you could master a completely new skill, what would that be? Kite surfing for sure, because I'm a terrible surfer. 
I'm a terrible surfer and I still haven't given up. If any of you, you know, anyone who surfs, like they know that as you progress, you move on to smaller surfboards. I'm still on the biggest size. I'm still struggling to even get out there. I'm a terrible surfer. And I'm really, really, really hoping that I'll be better at kite surfing and actually be able to to catch some waves. <laughs> That's amazing. And it sounds so fun too. And just being out in nature. I think nature gets me feeling the most connected personally, but just getting to do something so fun. That's, that's awesome. My final question for you, as far as our rapid fire questions go, what's next on your bucket list? I'm really happy right now. And what I'm craving is snow. We just moved to Germany and I just want to be in the snow, like snowy winters is what I'm looking forward to. Just lots of baking and like snuggling and stuff like that. I love that. So I guess a couple months and and you should hopefully be on your way to that. Yeah, we're recording this at the end of August. I already started making some like cozy cookies and lighting some candles. Not much longer to go. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I'm trying to manifest a little bit of that here, except that maybe not the snow, but I'm in Florida. So our August, it is in the 90s at least right now as we're recording and definitely ready for that weather to cool down. I love that cozy feeling with the, the candles and the blanket, the n- nice hot cup of tea. That, what do they call it? Hugga or Higgy? Hugga? Right. Isn't that a Danish thing? Yes. I just want to incorporate that into my life year round. It's so cozy. Yes, please. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Well, so that should be coming for you in a few months. So that's that's amazing. Before I let you go, can you tell our listeners just a little bit more about your work, how they can find you and connect with any other offerings that you may have? Absolutely. My website is hannabeer.com, H-A-N-N-A-B-I-E-R.com. Um, you're welcome to read through my blog. You're welcome to send me a personal email. My email is hello at hannabeer.com. If any of this today resonated with you and you're curious about how I might be able to help you, really welcome to reach out. I'd always be excited to do a little personal reading and see what we can create for you. On Instagram, my handle is Hannah Moneybliss. You're welcome to message me there as well. Um, I know we usually don't do that anymore in this day and age, but I still like actually having personal connections and conversations with actual people. And yeah, just reach out. Say hi. It was so fun connecting with Hannah and learning more about her method around creating abundance when it comes to your finances. I do think that there are a lot of blocks we put in place from childhood that keep us from reaching many of our goals, including the financial ones, and that by refocusing our mindset and uncovering those blocks, we can make major improvements in several areas of our lives. Hannah has such a kind and upbeat perspective around Money Bliss, so if what she said resonated with you this week, be sure to connect with her. I've linked her information in the show notes so that you can learn more. As always, I say it every single week, but I really do want to thank you for tuning in and for sharing your day with me. If you would like us to explore a particular topic in a future episode, you can reach out to me on Instagram at wellness and wanderlust blog or by email at Valerie at wellness and I also say this every week, but if you have a moment, one of the best ways you can lend your support to the show is to leave a rating and review on Apple podcasts or wherever you're tuning in from. It takes just a few minutes out of your day. It really makes a huge difference for podcasters everywhere. Now I I hope each and every one of you has a fantastic day and I can't wait to see you next time.